Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Guardian. We're no computers, Sebastian. We're physical. I think, Sebastian. Therefore, I am. If you haven't seen the film Blade Runner, that was one of its characters, Pris, quoting the 17th century French philosopher René Descartes. Unless. Pris is an android, or replicant, initially created as a basic pleasure model who ends up involved with a group of renegades. The famous quote, I think, therefore I am, sometimes called the cogito for the Latin cogito ergo sum, was the result of Descartes' attempt to figure out which of the things he thought he knew were impervious to doubt. Despite all the philosophical scepticism he was putting himself through, which made him doubt whether he could trust his senses or whether he had a physical body, he could be sure that he was thinking, which meant that he had to at least exist. Pris used the line to emphasise more than just her existence. She thought that her ability to think like a human should give her the same rights as one. Humans have been telling stories about artificial beings and thinking about what defines humanity since long before Blade Runner, and even before Descartes. A new book out this month explores the history of robots from as far back as ancient Greece, and asks... Did ancient myths like the story of Pandora and her famous box of misery end up influencing the finest technological minds of the 20th and 21st century? I was surprised to find out that the first SAM missiles, the surface-to-air missiles that patrolled the seas, were named Talos rockets. And even now, DARPA at Pentagon, the military scientists at, at the Pentagon, recently named their AI-enhanced automated soldier uniform Uh, with an acronym TALOS, very deliberate, hearkening back to the TALOS myth. And considering we hope that the future these technologists are leading us into is free of robot rebellion, should we take heed of the examples of mythological automata that ended up breaking Asimov's first law of robotics, that a robot may not injure a human being? In her story, Frankenstein had hoped to use technology to create an artificial android of great beauty and grace. But uh, the tragedy is that the result was a hideous creature that resented being brought to life. And I think her story remains fresh to us because it spins on that age-old tale that warns against playing God or attempting to create life without really understanding or having foresight about the consequences. 
I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this week I try to figure out if the stories of the ancient Greeks can help us prepare for a future that now seems inevitable. This is Chips with Everything. The full title of my new book is Gods and Robots, Myths, Machines, and Ancient Dreams of Technology. Would you mind, just for us, just so that we've got some audio of you saying it, reading out the first quote that you mentioned in the book from the robot TikTok? Sometimes I imagine that robots were invented to answer philosophers' questions. It seems like... Adrienne Mayer is a research scholar in classics and the history and philosophy of science at Stanford University. She specializes in the study of folk science and has written several books on ancient history and how we can interpret ancient myths and folklore to help us better understand today's scientific world. Well, since 2006, I've been living and working in Silicon Valley in California, just surrounded by advanced innovations in technology, and I'm very aware of all the modern desires to create artificial life, from robots to AI and improving uh, nature, augmenting, enhancing human powers, even striving toward immortality. So as a historian of ancient science, it seemed natural to try and see how deep the roots of uh, those desires and ideas really could be, and it turns out they're very ancient indeed. Robots seem like the quintessential science fiction future technology, one of the biggest technological changes that we can expect in our near future. My original question was who first imagined the concepts of robots um, and artificial intelligence? Historians of science trace the first working automatons to the Middle Ages, but I was wondering, is it possible that these ideas, these concepts about self-moving devices, automatons, and uh, could they have been imagined long before the technology made them possible? And in fact, technology did follow the myths in antiquity. The ancient Greeks actually did begin making catapults, geared devices like the uh, Antikythera mechanisms, self-propelled machines, a lifelike uh, animated statue. Those things happened as early as the 5th century BC. When you look at these myths that feature automata or some form of artificial life, what do you think tended to be the purpose of these stories? Well, I think the myths allowed people to let their imaginations soar. Um, they described sort of wonders and marvels that the god of invention, Hephaestus, could make, uh, but they were using the same familiar tools, materials, that ordinary blacksmiths and artisans were using on Earth, but in the myths they achieve astounding results as befitting uh, gods and heroic um, figures. So the myths allowed people in antiquity to think about how one might be able to fabricate a self-moving device if only one possessed the divine powers and ingenuity of uh, a god. Adrian writes about dozens of characters from ancient legends, and though each is fascinating in its own way, we cannot possibly discuss them all here. But it seems right to start with one of the first, a character from ancient Greek mythology called Talos. A giant bronze figure of a man made by Hephaestus with the mission of defending King Minos and his kingdom of Crete. So Talos was a self-moving uh, automaton. He, he was said to march around the island of Crete three times a day, and he was kind of programmed or given the task to spot strange ships, and he could then pick up boulders and hurl them at invaders. Talos could also heat his bronze body to red hot and then crush enemies to roast them alive. 
and Jason and the Argonauts encountered Talos on their quest for the Golden Fleece. Drop the gun, you are under arrest. So basically, Talos is like the ancient Greek equivalent to Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. How did Talos work then in this story? Talos had a single artery or vein, a tube, going from his head to toe. But instead of blood, he was powered by ichor, and ichor is the mysterious fluid of the gods. His entire viva system was sealed with a bronze nail or a bolt at his ankle. So I think the ancients imagined Talos as a kind of cyborg, hybrid human and machine. We seem very keen to anthropomorphize mechanical beings like Talos, to see them as human-like and to empathize with them. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, there are a lot of modern studies that try to determine why it is that we humans tend to anthropomorphize robots and other non-sentient things. Uh, The best we can say is that we seem to be somehow hardwired to bestow human-like characteristics on things that seem to us somehow alive that react to us uh, or that we imagine are somehow lifelike. People still disagree over the definition of a robot, as you mentioned earlier, but you argue that the Talos myth embodies these kind of age-old questions about what it is to be a human. Why is that? Well, it's interesting that in the original myth, uh, Medea convinces Talos that she could make him immortal but only if he allowed her to remove that bronze bolt on his ankle. And Talos was persuaded by this, and they unsealed the bolt uh, so that his uh, ichor bled out. In the myth, he desires to be immortal like a human. He can be persuaded and fooled. I mean, he's he's not totally a machine. He can be tricked. Uh, So the human qualities are what make his destruction feel so tragic, both in antiquity and to us today. We feel sympathy for a robot that was fooled and killed while simply going about his job. And it's interesting, there's an ancient vase painting of 2,500 years ago, and the dying Talos is depicted as a metallic man. He's falling backwards as Jason is using a tool to remove the bolt on his ankle. And the artist painted what looks like a teardrop on the cheek falling from the robot's eye. Later in the book, Adrian talks about how the gods in these myths create strong artificial beings by taking the better, more powerful traits associated with beasts and using them to offset the inherent weaknesses of mortals. Even today, inventors want to make robots that are stronger than humans, or to use technology to enhance humans, like soldiers with AI exoskeletons. Given the apprehension around some of these ideas, Is there a sense in which we fail to learn from the ancient Greeks who created these myths? Well, there are also um, myriad tales about the quest to turn back the clock on aging and becoming immortal, making uh, death optional today. But in the myths, tales like that about getting rid of aging and becoming immortal, every one of those tales backfires somehow. Uh, The message from antiquity seems to be that there's something very crucially human about the fact that we die, that we're mortal. Another warning about creating artificial life that I found in the myths and in historical times is to look carefully at who is it that's deploying automatons and what uh, what are the purposes. 
I found that in both the mythic tales and in real life in antiquity, it was autocratic tyrants who usually commissioned automatons from Zeus to uh, the king of Sparta and used them as weapons to torture or kill their subjects. It's often said that tyranny favors technology. So I think the one of the messages from the myths is that we need to pay attention to who is pushing to develop AI and who is so keen to create killer robots. After the break, we'll compare the kinds of robots imagined by ancient Greeks who lacked the technology to substantiate their legends and the real-life artificial intelligences that theoretically walk and talk among us today. Pandora was essentially an evil fembot sent to Earth uh, with a single mission. Her mission was to release evils on humankind for eternity. The myths seem to say that artificial life is good to think with, it's good to imagine in a sort of abstract way, but they give a strong caution that such things could wreak havoc, uh, cause a lot of chaos, a lot of harm in the real world, especially if they're accepted without foresight. More on that after this short break. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is a new Guardian podcast that brings you closer to our journalism by getting behind the news every weekday. You'll join me, Anushka Astana, talking to people at the centre of the big stories impacting our world. We'll use personal perspectives and expert analysis to put you at the heart of what matters. Listen to Today in Focus and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you choose to listen. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. This week we're looking at robots and gods, and how the ancient Greeks were able to imagine a world where humans and machines live side by side. To better understand the myths that contained the very first blueprints for what artificial intelligence might one day look like, we're talking to Adrian Mayer, a research scholar in classics and the history and philosophy of science at Stanford University. In her book, Gods and Robots, Myths, Machines and Ancient Dreams of Technology, Adrian explores what the technologists of today can learn from ancient legends. And that feeling of awe, sort of mixed with dread and fear, so wonder plus fear, was described by Homer in the Iliad and the Odyssey, and then by uh, classical Greek playwrights. So that uncanny valley effect occurred in mythology, but also in real life in antiquity 
because artists and sculptors were learning new technological ways of painting extremely realistic pictures that could fool birds into pecking at a painting of, of grapes. Uh, sculptors were able to, uh, to cast extraordinary true-to-life statues that seemed to breathe and move. And just encountering those for the first time, people in antiquity did feel that uncanny valley effect. Adrian's book is hardly trying to suggest that all the great scientific minds of the last few centuries stole their ideas from Greek mythology. But it does show that even outside of the scientific realm, people have long been fascinated by these stories. Take Mary Shelley, the famous 19th century writer behind Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Well, I think Mary Shelley's uh, horror story of Frankenstein, it's a really engaging sort of meditation on on the idea of trying to surpass human limits and play God um, and sort of the dangers of overreaching by scientists before they really know what they're doing. And in her story, Frankenstein had hoped to use technology to create an artificial android of great beauty and grace. But uh, the tragedy is that the result was a hideous creature, uh, the monster, that resented being brought to life. And we know that Mary Shelley was influenced by ancient Greek myths about automatons and uh, people, witches and sorcerers, trying to imitate nature. And I think her story remains fresh to us because it spins on that age-old tale that warns against uh, playing God or uh, attempting to create life without really understanding or having foresight about the consequences. Do you think that scientists and science fiction writers today are inspired or influenced by these classical myths? Well, you know, it's intriguing that when genuine automatons as self-moving devices began to be actually designed and built in the ancient world, in the Hellenistic era, Almost all of those self-moving devices and automatons alluded in, in some way to classical mythology. So I think even in antiquity, the myths influenced ancient inventors. And I think modern technicians and robotics engineers um, might be willing to admit that they have mythic influences too. Uh, military scientists were certainly familiar with the Talos story. Uh, I was surprised to find out that the first SAM missiles, the surface-to-air missiles that patrolled the seas, were named Talos rockets. And even now, uh, just in the last few years, DARPA at Pentagon, the military scientists at, at the Pentagon, recently named their AI-enhanced automated soldier uniform with an acronym Talos, very deliberate, hearkening back to the Talos myth. So I think there's a lot of influence today from these myths. In 1942, the science fiction writer Isaac Asimov first introduced his famous laws of robotics, the first of which... A robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. We seem to have always generally believed that robots should be built to benefit humans and not to harm them. But as we see with Talos, which we mentioned earlier, some of these mythical characters develop human emotions and do try to cause harm. So do myths like these offer any suggestions for how to prevent this kind of thing from happening in real life? Or is it inevitable that our creations will rise against us? 
Well, I think it's um, notable that when the self-driving devices and automatons made by Hephaestus are confined to the divine heavenly world of Mount Olympus, used only by Hephaestus and the other gods and goddesses, in that realm they are beneficial and benign. They don't really cause harm. But it's when the androids like Talos and Pandora appear on Earth and they interact on the human plane, that's when things go badly in the myths and Asimov's rules uh, get broken. Pandora was essentially an evil fembot sent to Earth uh, with a single mission. Her mission was to release evils on humankind for eternity. The myths seem to say that artificial life is good to think with, it's good to imagine in a sort of abstract way, but they give a strong caution that such things could wreak havoc, uh, cause a lot of chaos, a lot of harm in the real world, especially if they're accepted without foresight. So the classical myths seem to express both hope and fear about creating artificial life, and those mixed feelings do seem to anticipate our own ambivalence, our own sense of practical and ethical dilemmas about robotics and AI and whether we should accept them so readily. From the look of these ancient myths, it seems we've had the same ideas and anxieties around automata or artificial intelligence for a long time. The difference, of course, is that we are much closer to having the technology to realize those dreams. So what lessons should we take from these ancient legends as we move into this future? Many people may think it's kind of ironic uh, to be looking back to the distant past. I'm asking people to time travel more than two millennia to look at what are essentially some of the first ever science fiction stories. But where science fiction leads, uh, technology often follows. And I think the sophistication and the relevance of these ancient dreams of technology and artificial life might constitute a kind of mythology for our age of AI. So I'm hoping that these ancient tales and their messages might enrich our understanding of what's really a timeless link between imagination and science. I'd like to thank Adrian Mayer for joining me for this week's episode. Special thanks also to Rob and Ryan at Stanford University, who helped us out with studios. If you want to know more, you'll be able to purchase Gods and Robots, Myths, Machines and Ancient Dreams of Technology via a link on this week's episode description on The Guardian website. Chips with Everything is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.